Good evening, good morning, whenever you're listening to this. Welcome to our third and final General Assembly special PCI cast episode. Good to have you with us. And before we get in the way, Ben, fair to say that um, we owe our listeners a big uh, vote of thanks for all of the kind words and texts and comments and being pulled aside at assembly over the past couple of days that we, we, we've had. Actually, uh, genuinely overwhelmed by, first of all, the number of people who've actually listened, but also the number of people who've got in touch to say thanks. So thanks for the encouragement. It's been good. I wholeheartedly agree. It's not often that we have the opportunity to put out a podcast and then be amidst the, the listeners uh, live. And I think this has worked. This, this has been an experiment, of course, for, for you and me, you and me Craig, to, to try and do this. We'd hoped whenever we thought about setting up the podcast in 2019 that we would be able to. The pandemic interfered. And that now in 2021, we, we made a special effort and, and it has been well received. So we do thank. We thank all the listeners. But it's fair to say you, me and Johnny here, I, 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 I'm, I'm, we're all pooped. <laughs> we're wrecked. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I, as a listener, I quite enjoyed being able to, to tune in to a recap of the previous day as I was yeah. driving in, and it was just the perfect length for me. Yeah. Uh, by half an hour, took me in quite nicely through the, the traffic on the M2. Uh, so thanks, guys, for the, the quick turnaround and, and all of that. We, we initially had intended, Ben, for it to be a bit shorter than that, kind of 10 or 15 minutes. But, I mean, you know, the, you know so both Monday and Tuesday, you know, with, with Joanne and Alan. That's what I know. Same with my mum and dad. But the other Joanne and the other Alan, uh, you know, they just landed at about half an hour, oddly. And uh, so, yeah. so that's been good. So um, once you're in the surroundings of the piano bar and the, the chat gets going and the tea arrives, I thought the ambiance <laughs> was nice. Um, it, it just so happens. And we'll probably shoot for something similar tonight with Johnny yeah. as we review um, maybe Wednesday, and perhaps even some comment on the whole, um, the whole assembly towards the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let so me run through. Begin? Let me run through what the the agenda was, and then we'll go back to the start and kind of go through things, uh, kind of item by item. So we had um, the report from the Council for Public Affairs first thing this morning, and then from the Council for Training and Ministry. Uh, after lunch, then we came back and there was uh, a one-hour slot entitled Listening to the, the Global Church, um, which mm-hmm. was great. Then we had the fourth and final General Council slot, which uh, included United Appeal nominations, new work for the Assembly, and then also the MTGAMATG, Ooh. which is the Making the General Assembly More Accessible task group. And we're delighted, obviously, to have... Reverend Johnny Boyd with us this evening, who's the convener of that task group, and you'll be speaking a little bit more about that and helping us think through what your report said and what we passed today. And then finally, what some people think is a dull moment in the life of the Assembly, but for, as we said last night, it's 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 Trevor's FA Cup final. It's the overtures, uh, <laughs> which is the highlight of the week, without, without a doubt. Uh, so that was that was our business for the day. Shall we crack on? Let's go. Day three. I Public affairs. Pu- thank you. Thank you. Begins uh, at eight. We arrive 10 o'clock, starts at 10. <clears throat> We're straight in with public affairs. Some weighty issues. Uh, yeah. Let's build up to them because I, I think 
it, it did build up to them uh, in, in the various resolutions? I think so. I mean, uh, certainly for me, I think there were three things possibly to pull out. Uh, the first was okay. a, a really good piece of work that's appendix uh, appendixed in the public affairs report, which is the graciously confident gospel engagement in the public square appendix. Uh, I think it's a tremendous piece of work, and I, I, I my my one foray to the microphone um, this week was was to commend them for that and to make sure that that gets into the hands of of Kirk Sessions and uh, and congregations to to kind of work through that. Uh, I think it's a really good a good document. Don't know if anybody wants to say anything more about that, but uh, there you go. If you're listening, if you're, if you're listening, folks, give it a read. It, it's it's well it's well worked through and well thought well thought out. It's our reflection on a changing public square, isn't that right? Yeah, yeah. And how we're no longer in a one word, an attitude where it's just assumed we will be listened to and and we'll, we'll be you know friendly, well done, church. You know, you're good chaps. We're moving into uh, increasingly so in the 21st century, a hostile environment for our voice. Yeah, it's very hard to come to terms with that change and anything that helps us to think that through and to get a realistic picture of where we are and how we can be moving forward and engaging in helpful ways. Always good to get. Yeah, in the middle, there was a really good uh, section of it about the, the changes to the public square and how it is uh, as, as the report puts a rapidly changing public square. They're saying it's, it's, it's a more diverse public square. Uh, ironically and paradoxically, it's becoming a smaller public square. Uh, it's getting louder. It's getting more complex um, uh, as well. Um, so just that kind of document to, to have a little bit of reflection on, on thinking that through, I think is helpful in terms of how we engage. I get up to ask the question about, you know, how can we in, as congregations and sessions and stuff engage with that and what's being done to, to help people engage with this document and yes. the public square more broadly. And uh, our, our brother, Daniel Cain, I spoke to him earlier on, he said, you know, that things like the, the public square gatherings that the PCI had I think before COVID, you know, the evenings that they put on in, in Union, uh, those things are being thought about and other resources and perhaps Bible studies or resources for small groups to think about how the, the church in the public square uh, looks like and what it looks like in this this kind of uh, I mean, current I climate. I, I, yeah, it, it, I'm, I'm just saying I thought it was a really good piece of work. With our, I mean, with my digital hat on, I think the public square has to be conceived of increasingly as social media, Twitter, um, those various streams of engagement. Uh, and, and and we have a, a really great opportunity to engage in, in all of those. Resolution two. Um, oh, sorry. Just uh, just going back to that, uh, that report, that, that resource there. You know, the, the first two words in the appendix of uh, being graciously confident. Mm. I think a really great one, especially when you're talking about social media there, Ben, where yeah. discussions on social media so yes, often quickly uh, turn into the arguments very heated arguments, fearful engagement at, at times, uh, the idea of being gracious and confident, uh, secure in the gospel and knowing that you know, God does reign over the world mm. uh, and we don't need to be fearful of what happens to us even as the, the world changes around us. You know, God's still in control of it, so we don't need to panic. Yeah. We don't need to be fearful. We don't need to be angry and lashing out at people. We can be gracious, so we can be confident of that uh, thanks to the gospel. Yes. Um, resolution two went on. It was it was a 
kind of encourage public affairs to, to make submissions, interact with statutory authorities and related bodies. Yeah. I, I will say my, my autocorrects, I've been trying to keep notes as we were going through for this. And I said, it has Norman on the new Iceland commission uh, panel as a unionist. <laughs> and I take it it's not the new Iceland commission, no, but, no, but no. rather new Ireland uh, commission yeah. as a panel, as a, as a unionist voice. Yeah. Uh, Norman, a friend of the podcast and, and, uh, previous uh, previous episodes, so uh, encourage them into that. Absolutely. Uh, the other kind of uh, high point, if that's the right way of putting it, or certainly the focal point of the public affairs debate today was around the legacy and dealing yeah. with the past debate. Correct. And this actually has been, as far as the secular media is concerned, the highlight, because this is what has made the certainly my BBC News app on my phone when that's I was right. when I was sitting, uh, you know, um, whenever I came home. This afternoon was, or this evening, I was just uh, saw that um, uh, impassioned uh, speeches from the front today um, on that um, and how we uh, are relating to that as a church. I agree. And I think the moderator set the tone very healthily whenever he introduced the whole public affairs as it looked radically different in, in years in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s. And perhaps younger ministers, and I'm only beginning in the last 10 years, really don't really appreciate that, uh, that we have all these other things to talk about. Uh, and yet yeah. we gave space to talk about um, our engagement and, and the legacy matters. Uh, and I heard that so lovely and clear. Um, there was a, a minister from Lisburn, Michael... Michael Davidson, Davidson of... Yeah, Michael Davidson. Davidson. And I think Michael's uh, poignant uh, speech about his father and dealing with that um, really did touch a chord with the assembly. And I think that was possibly one of the longest applauses and uh, not so much an applause, but a, a clapping to stand with and recognize um, uh, yeah. Michael and the family. Yeah, it's yeah. very moving hearing him talking about how he was trying to the process mm. all of it within a Christian framework of dealing with the, the grief and trauma of knowing that we can't get justice for everything here on earth, yet also having that was confidence that God ultimately will provide some justice for it all mm. and trying to extend forgiveness empowered by that, by that knowledge and bringing that to the Psalms. And in, in church recently, when we've been praying for situations around the world where there's terrible stuff going on, terrible injustice, you know, like uh, you know, Afghanistan. Mm. Uh, and you're at times it can feel like the prayer, your prayers are so inadequate to the situation. You know, yeah. God, please reduce the violence in this terrible country. And you think, ah, I feel like we're engaging at such a, a superficial level with stuff. And then you go off and sing something afterwards that doesn't necessarily reflect the, the, the deep trauma that the people you've been praying for are going through. And a couple of weeks ago, I found it really helpful to, to use you know, one of the Psalms that deals with that sort of, of trauma uh, of facing violence. Uh, and you know, we don't always have hymns that do that very well, uh, but it, it, it was quite helpful that Michael brought in the Psalms there and they, they help us to express that sort of deep pain and bring that to God in a really healthy way that helps us to express our anguish, then also bring it round to the hope that we've got with them as well. Yeah, yeah, very much. Yeah, it's certainly an impassioned 
debate and, and like you say Ben there was there was you know real support for our brother in the in, in the hall today and, and, um, and then the, the, the clerk did sum it up just to, uh, to remind us of PCI's position and PCI's engagement with truck groups like wave and others yeah 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 uh, so that was good. After after public affairs, then we, we, had, a, we had a coffee break. It's not and... Public affairs, Craig. Sorry, to, sorry, sorry. To you know this is your show, so no, no, <laughs> please do, Jonathan. Uh, the, the 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 other bit of public affairs that I was really quite interested in, and very very nearly got up to speak about. Uh, then other people said things very well, thought I didn't need to. Was that the stuff about education? Yeah. Uh, and yes. Yes. I guess yes, whatever. Yes. It was starting out as a minister and coming here to Hyde Park and Lyle Hill, I, I quickly ended up being on two boards of governors. And initially I thought, you know, this is going to be a distraction, a burden, a waste of time. How does this fit in the ministry, really? Am I not here to, to preach and pastor and all that sort of thing? Uh, but over time, I've, I found it to be you know, a real privilege, quite worthwhile and actually helpful for, for ministry in some ways. But, you know, when you're going into schools and you, you're talk, you're trying to even sign things like policies that can seem yeah. very dry yeah. and administrative, actually end up dealing with things that people have to deal with in their own jobs and think through how as a Christian do I engage with these things? Like, uh, you know, relationships and sex education was talked about a bit. And you, a lot of the time we're insulated from that in our job. We don't have to deal with tricky policies and stuff when you're in the schools there. You, you do have to start doing that. And I think it helps a bit to empathize them with, you know, folks in our congregations who are dealing with that sort of thing on a daily basis uh, and helps clue you in as well to some of the pastoral stuff that families are facing. So I find it's it's informed my my pastoral ministry and my preaching a bit. Uh, it's been good and it's a good chance to bless the community as well and be a good witness. <clears throat> Tom Conway's contribution from Cookstown High School as the vice chair of the Board of Governors there uh, was very helpful. Uh, Cookstown High School, uh, dear to my heart, my, my mother-in-law uh, has retired just recently as a, as a teacher there. And uh, Tom has been um, very prominent in school and very supportive, of, as we heard of that Christian ethos. And that was a real encouragement to me as a, I'm on two board of governors, uh, primary school and uh, uh, a secondary in the town. And to hear that emphasis again on the Christian ethos, that's something that's starting to come through more and more. And something that we can be confident about. Um, so that was, that was really encouraging actually to, to me to, to that active support of the school and Christian ethos. It's actually something that's in the, the code. It's one of our responsibilities. Your presbytery is responsible for developing education within its bounds. And it's not just talking there about Sunday schools. There, there's a broader picture of education there that we're called to be involved in. So, you know, when, when we sign up to, to be ministers, we are actually signing up to be involved with that. Mm, yeah. No, uh, yeah, I, I thought it was, it was good and good to hear um, from, from lots of people on that. Brilliant, brilliant. Um, moving on to the Council for Training and Ministries report, and I think um, be fair to say that uh, it, it was it, there, there was nothing overly controversial this time round. I know a couple of years ago at Assembly, um, that the, the the council for training and ministries report was kind of the that was the place for some some tension and for some fractious exchanges. Uh, so, but but this this afternoon uh, a, a shorter time for um, for Nigel uh, and for um, 
Gordon, to be up at the front and proposing and seconding the report. A, a couple of things to pull out. The 35 ministry students currently at the uh, Union College, which is yeah. uh, which is fantastic compared to what, it, what, what there was just a, you know, three or four years ago. But still, uh, as we heard the call, not enough to fill, uh, at the moment, uh, 57 vacancies or something like that there and increasing. Uh, so, so there was very much a clear call, even in Resolution 1, uh, to, to more ministers and quite a perceptive comment around engagement with younger people. I think Gabriel was up to, to speak a little bit to that in, in the call. Um, and uh, that was... That was interesting to hear. Um, and then meeting. also related to that then was, is the, the alternative pathway for people to come Correct. into ministry without necessarily having to go through the uh, the, the full rigmarole that, that's required uh, of ministers. Now, this uh, is interesting. A, a, a few people, a few people spoke to that. And it, you know, Neil Stewart spoke to that. Um, and I know John. a couple of folks who were formerly Belfast City Missionaries, John Martin spoke to that and John Dickinson spoke to that. Yep. Um, as well. Uh, I thought John Dickinson's contribution was really helpful. He was sitting just a couple of seats up from me and I kind of threw something at him and said, listen, that was good. You know, he was talking about those two guys who were um, members of his his church who are involved in uh, a church plant and a church revitalization effort uh, in East Belfast, urban East Belfast. I mean, it's a great story. Uh, and the small you unfortunate a side of that is that they're having to do that with the Church of Ireland because there's no real pathway for them to be doing that sort of work at the minute in PCI. Now, I know people are thinking about that and talking about that. Um, we're talking about church planting in PCI. We're talking about um, uh, the alternative pathway in PCI. But I think I would, I would agree with John, actually, that, that some, some joined up thinking and strategizing would be, would be helpful in that regard. I don't know whether you guys, what you guys think about, about that. What is the, what Johnny? What is a flexible pathway? I, I couldn't quite figure this out. So what is it? At that point, to be honest, I was feeling a wee bit distracted thinking about what I was going to be saying later that afternoon. So I was only half listening to what was going on. So <laughs> oh, we'll on the spot there. Sorry. Sorry, Johnny. Oh, you, you, you go ahead, Greg. No, you're the smarter guy. I'll go for you. I think you're paying more attention though. <laughs> I think it's about providing yeah, alternative ways of people getting through the the training requirements that allow them to remain doing other things rather than have to follow exactly the same formula each time so you know, it makes a lot of sense for somebody to be remaining in a church when normally they'd be moved somewhere else or if they've already done a certain amount of training yeah and wouldn't need to do absolutely everything that's normally a minister is trained to do because they've got yeah. some of it already then they adjust the pathway a bit uh, yeah, it's, that. It's, it's training or experience. And I think a, a couple of those ones just have said today said that. I mean, the, 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 the example just off the top of my head is, is John Martin out in Colnady and Swatter. I mean, he was a he was a Belfast City missionary for nine yeah. years and he was in he was in my year at college, you know. Um so but you know, having worked in you know something that's very close to but not exactly pastoral ministry, uh, still was required. To at that point in time, to to go through the, the regular pathway of application, and then three years uh, followed by the, the you know the two year assistantship before he was eligible for call, and um, 
you know, but, the, but, but I think the, the alternative pack by the flexible pathway is just an acknowledgement of what you were saying there, Johnny, that there are folks who have relevant experience or, or training or academic background. And we're, we're just trying to be a little bit more flexible in how people can come into ministry. Um, I also thought as well, Ben, you, you mentioned there, I thought Gabriel Farquhar's uh, intervention and her contribution was, was good as well, you know, by trying to um, think of other places where people could be encouraged. So it's not just, you know, that the minister from the pulpit makes an announcement. If anybody feels led, uh, please speak to me. You know, but you can also, you know, could the church be having having a go around some some YFs or, or that kind of thing to, to talk to young people? I thought it was, I thought it was good. Anyway. Yep. Anyway, all very okay. good. This well, afternoon, after, after lunch, after lunch, well, uh, there was one other thing I was there was one other thing I was very encouraged by in the Council of Trinity Ministry that you, we're, we're going to end up with a, a third Johnny Boyd, a third Reverend Jonathan Boyd in the church. Right. Uh, you, it's great. We're, we're like we're like the board, board collective. We're gradually taking over. Um, we're going to end up with one in every presbytery and hopefully eventually one in every pulpit. So I'm, I'm glad to see that. Are you Picard think... in this uh, particular? Are you the Picard board? <laughs> we've gone too nerdy uh, i think what we're going to have to do is something like the the old antrim presbytery we're going to have to put just doesn't matter where you are geographically we're just going to have to bung you all, all you jonathan boyds into one presbytery at some point so we can deal, we can deal with you on mass yeah. i must apologize to the other jonathan boyds i hope you don't end up getting tired with my rush yeah <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah yeah okay so let's keep this going afternoon, then this afternoon we yeah. had um uh, a slot at, at two o'clock, which was listening to the global church. Um, and, and, and I will, if anyone wants to slap me in the, on the back of the wrist for what I said last night on our podcast, I'm more than happy to take that. I said that the, the Council for uh, Global Missions report was a bit too global and not enough mission. Well, take the slap because this afternoon we heard um, about the the mission side of it, and we heard from brothers and sisters in, uh, in different parts of the world. Um, just in passing, before we talk about it, the the, the assembly this afternoon watched some videos um, yeah. from a number of different contributors, uh, and we'll put the links uh, to those videos in the show notes so that they're accessible for you. They're also on the the PCI Twitter uh, feed if you were following along, so you can go watch them yourself. But we heard from uh, Reverend. Let me get this, uh, lift my phone up so I pronounce his name correctly. Reverend, Reverend Savak Kabaye, of, who's the General Secretary of the Church of Central Africa Presbyterian in the Zambia Synod. Uh, we heard from Reverend Mary Collimon, who's the moderator of the Evangelical Christian Church of Timor. And we heard in the room as well from Reverend uh, Elsie McCrossbury, who's also of the Evangelical Christian Church of Timor. Uh, and then we heard as well from Mikhail Turner, who's a producer for Sat7 and is working in Afghanistan. Uh, so, uh, you know, we, we very much heard from the global church um, th this afternoon, and I thought it was a really good hour, actually, to hear that, um, you know, on General Assembly Week, we can be so focused on what's happening in the, the four walls of the Assembly Hall um, or, or, or what's happening on the island of Ireland that we can perhaps lose sight of the fact that we are part of a global church. And I think it was good to hear from those uh, those brothers and sisters uh, this afternoon. What do you guys think? It made me think, uh, yeah, it, it was it was great to hear some of the videos, but also made me think about the the physical absence of the the overseas 
mm. people who normally come over. Uh, I think that's always one of the great things about the assembly, that very physical, tangible reminder that we're part of a, a global church and you know they have opportunities to to come and speak to all the business of the assembly and when they do that you know everybody stops and and listens uh, and it's great to have that perspective that's going to be quite different to the ones we have or the ones we normally expect to hear uh, and uh, you know, i'm looking forward to the time whenever they can come back again but yeah. you know, great we've got the technology that we could actually hear something anyway with the videos yeah there's we, over the three days of the General Assembly, had the great WhatsApp, Facebook, whatever Instagram outage for, I think, about six hours or something. And that affected billions of people uh, throughout the world, including us. But th with the contribution from Zambia, it was, it was a great reminder to the struggles of ministry whenever um, you know, the Internet's not working, pastors couldn't get out WhatsApp messages to the congregation. And in many respects, that was how they were kind of ministering through this pandemic. They were sending WhatsApp messages. They were sending encouraging scriptural verses. Perhaps they didn't have the video, all the things that we have, and yet they were making use. And then the, the real struggles whenever that goes down uh, and the effect of that. Yeah, that was, it was a good insight. That and, oh, I was struck. 300,000 out of 18 million, I think, vaccinated. Mm -hmm. In Zambia, yeah. 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 Yeah, so all the problems I have with superstitions about you take the vaccine, you're going to die and stuff like that. Yeah, big yeah. challenges. Okay. Yeah, very much, very much. Uh, the final kind of slot with with um, with, with, with me on it there was uh, the General Council 4 uh, slot, uh, four areas of discussion. There. I hope you're not suggesting, okay. Craig, that the overtures don't have meat. I thought that was the highlight. Oh, we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, we're, I think maybe, still my beating uh, heart. Yeah, I think maybe we just have to have the clerk himself on just to talk us through line by line each of those overtures. Maybe as a as a as a bonus General Assembly special episode at some point in the near future. Would that make sense? I don't think we're going to get the clerk. I think the clerk's. I pray and hope that he's on a well-deserved holiday somewhere I far. Hope so. <laughs> I hope so. Uh, but sorry, General Council 4, yes. uh, four areas of discussion. I think two probably we want to talk about. Where one was United Appeal for Mission. Next was the nominations. And then the, the two, I think, uh, probably worth us, uh, us talking about. Um, one uh, was new work for the General Assembly and, and councils to do, be doing between now and uh, or for, sorry, for the general council will be doing between now and next assembly or the, the assembly after that and then the other johnny was your task script about making the general assembly more accessible um with regards to the new work there, there's a number of areas that were highlighted in the blue book about think of um areas yeah. as i said very simply for new work for the assembly uh to be getting on with um but one i think the thing that, that stood out from that section was uh, an amendment that, that david johnson made asking that uh, uh, I'll just read the wording. The General Council be asked in light of the last period to undertake a review of the church's response, obviously to the, the pandemic, uh, and to set out theological, moral, and spiritual principles to guide the church in any similar situations which could arise and report to the 2022 General Assembly. So that uh, that was a, a license amendment, and that that amendment uh, was was passed, and that became the resolution, and that that again passed in the House. So that's a piece of work that's going to be be underway in the not too distant future, a review of our response to the pandemic. 
I think fair to say a big piece of work that Clark very much uh, in speaking uh, around, he didn't speak for or against. They noticed that he, he spoke about the, the amendment and very clear that this is a large piece of work for the General Assembly or the General Council uh, to get, get on with, particularly in the time frame which was reporting to 2022. However, I think um, uh, it was recognised that it would only be an interim report and we'll probably, I think friends, we're going to be thinking about this pandemic uh, for, for years <laughs> uh, and we're yeah. still not out of it the other side. But it is helpful to begin that process of re reflection. I was glad to see the, the amendment. It's, it's going to be a big job for the General Council to yeah, even work out what exactly needs mm. to be done for this because the, the scope really is very broad for it. And I'm sure a lot of the people who they might normally think of putting on these task groups or some of the people who will have to be on the task group, I, I would be already on you know, many others. People are going to be stretched thin uh and uh it's it's gonna take quite a while to get that done i would think but i think it was quite noticeable on on monday whenever a few covid related resolutions were were brought as additional business that it, there were quite a few comments made to the effect that it was quite you couldn't really expect the house to make decisions about these things without there being more concrete information to base the decision on that even if people felt like oh you we're sympathetic to the ideas here we don't have the firm data and it's not right for the church to make decisions without a proper report that's helped us think it through properly you know, we have to be responsible in our decision making process uh, and not rush into things mm -hmm. and to deal with this stuff uh, i suppose it's you it's good that we're actually trying to do that in-depth thinking here rather than responding to stuff that we're just you know set eyes on a few minutes before we talk about it but it's going to be a long time to actually do that right. Uh, and yeah. we'll have to be patient about that, I think. And I think that was said in the house as well, is that, you know, they're, they're, they're not going to be any further past, you know, the stage of being able to bring an interim report the next time we meet, which will be in eight short months time, you know, that, that there's going to be another work, if not another, another year's work, if not another two years work on the other side of that, to, to get to any sort of the sense about that. Before we leave the new work thing, Ben, oh, sorry, oh, something else again, coming back to your uh, area of, of expertise, another one of the things that um, it's recommended work for the general council to be getting on with uh, is, uh, and again, I'll just quote from the, the report, uh, a detailed consideration of the subject of virtual communion services to enable the General Assembly to come to a final and settled mind on the matter. And that report is to be brought by the to the 2023 General Assembly. So hmm. uh, obviously a uh, response to the fact that, you know, in the certain, particularly in the early part of the first lockdown, that there were uh, a number of instances where um, sessions or, or ministers made a decision to have a virtual communion service. Uh, and you rose to your feet today, Ben, to parse that word virtual and what that meant only unpack that a wee minute because I, I i thought it was quite interesting maybe just because i'm a bit of a nerd but i thought it was interesting what you had to say yeah and before i do that let me say it was my third uh i managed to get a speech every day <laughs> which is um probably excessive maybe the assembly doesn't like to see uh, one up on their feet every day but there you had that i was i did it um i will say practically 
for anyone listening who wants to make speeches, I've I've done it off the cuff. I've done it by bullet points and I've done it written out. And I think of if I'm critical of myself, probably the best is bullet points. A little bit like doing a children's dress. Uh, you know, it's far more helpful to have the bullet points. But something to talk about perhaps in a future PCI cast, the mechanics, or, or maybe we could talk to the making, uh, making assembly more accessible convener, et cetera, et cetera, on, on, on how to, on how to do that mechanics of speeches. But, 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 but to your question, Craig, I wasn't speaking against, um, or, you know, trying to give a really quick answer to it. Um, I managed to, hit the light and hit the end of my speech. So that the speech was too long in the oven and that was written out my problem. But I did want to say that to call it virtual communion is fraught with difficulties. The word virtual can mean, um, it can mean the essence of a thing apart from embodiment. That's an older sense of the use of the word. It can mean a power, a virtuality, or, and the common use of the word in this postmodern world that we're in is to say that it's virtual, it's a copy. It's, it's not the real thing. The most, well, oh, let's think about VR. Mm, any famous VR films, there, there's been a few. Uh, but but that, that would be the kind of common pop culture idea of, of virtual. It's not, it's not real. It's a virtuality. And I think we've, been, we've struggled with that if we start to call it virtual communion. You said we were talking before we hit record here that the better word probably to use would have been digital communion or online communion services rather than the word virtual. Is that, is that right? Well, that would be probably more technical. Yes. I, I still, I don't want to, well, do I want to give my cards away? Uh, I mean, <laughs> uh, I think we're on a high end to nothing, but at the same time, at the same time, I think the process of the two years will uncover for our own theology and our own understanding of God's ordinary means of grace in word and sacrament, wise reflections uh, on the whole thing. So I think it's good uh, to, to be involved in the process. I might be able to let, give you let, the answer already, but I think us, the process will be good. Let us put our cards on the table because I don't know because I haven't spoken to you about this here. Virtual communion services, uh, yay or nay, Ben? Oh, no, 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 nay. <laughs> Johnny? I think the word virtual is actually a great word ah. because it actually makes it very clear why it's not real. It's, it, it's, it can't work Yeah, because the point of the sacraments is that they give you God's words in a form that you can see and touch and feel mm-hmm. the virtual. You can't, you can't touch the virtual and therefore it, it makes it very clear that it doesn't work. It's, it's not what it purports to be and can't be. It's an incoherent concept. But so, well, I, I guess the, the, the group will will think through these things. And I think the process is more nuanced than what I've just said. Yeah. Yeah. The, the process of thinking um, will be will be helpful. Craig, what about yourself? You Westminster Confession, Westminster Confession, chapter 29, uh, paragraph three. The Lord has in this ordinance appointed his ministers to declare his word of institution to the people. Uh, to pray, to bless the elements of bread and wine, and thereby to set them apart from common to a holy use, to take the bread, to take the cup, to give them both to the communicants, but to none who are not then present in the congregation. It's black and white as far as I'm concerned. 
well, except to say then, well, what is presence? And what, uh, to unpack that, I, I guess the committee will work, but they should consider as they go down this route, they also have to consider virtual baptism then or uh, distanced yep. baptism. I've, I've watched, I've as part of my course, I've watched online communion services being, trying to be done. I've watched um, Zoom baptisms where the parents sprinkle the water and the ministers in a remote location. And if you allow one, then yes, you should by rights allow the other. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I know, I know there's a, there's there'd be a number of good faith opinions on on both sides of that, but I'm perfectly happy to, to state what what mine is. I I, I saw some good faith. Or, or, I saw some some distance baptisms during the, the pandemic. There was the I don't know if you saw the picture of the. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, the priest standing out the front of uh, the, the the church building with the super soaker and parents dangling their kid out the car window for a baptism. We have nothing to we have nothing to fear with the discussion. Ordinary yeah. means of grace. Not and it's a good chance to talk about. It's, it's a really important discussion to have because there are people who have found it very encouraging to do what they've called online communion or virtual communion or whatever phrasing they've used. And to date, I suppose all we've really had is. A brief word from PCI to say that you can't do that, but yeah, like we that. haven't had the explanation of why. And if people have been feeling encouraged by it and feeling like it's doing them some good, it can be very hard to understand. Well, why are you saying you can't do this? And we need to have that conversation yeah. to understand yeah. what we actually believe and what God has promised to do, uh, so that people can uh, get to grips with this. I hope it was clear in my in the speech that there was a past. I could recognise the pastoral intent. Mm. of yeah. wanting to do communion I, I hear that loud and clear but we've got to think about the sacramental theology ordinary means of grace yeah. et cetera, et cetera. it's encouraging that people see that you know, communion is important and that yeah. they want them to make it happen yeah. and i think that's something we can all rejoice in and unite around super let's keep going <laughs> if it was up to me i'd bat that straight to the doctrine committee and leave it to them there you go <laughs> anyway, the, 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 I think the final thing we're, we're going to talk about in depth, and Johnny, we're really glad to have you with us to, yes. to do this, is, uh, is, is the task that you've been convening the past few while they, about making the General Assembly more accessible. Maybe we, Ben, maybe we just hand over to Johnny and let, uh, and Johnny, maybe you can talk to us a little bit about why the, the task group was set up in the first place and how you came to... Uh, the decisions and the resolutions that were put before us today and in, in your report. So what's what's it all about? I suppose over the course of quite a few years now, there have been various attempts to tinker with the General Assembly. It's been a feeling that the way we've done things in recent history uh, of having you know, four days of business that takes place during, during the day on weekdays, has suited those who have been coming by definition they come because it does suit them uh, but there are people who haven't been able to come or it's been very difficult for them to come and hard for them to participate as well because they don't really understand how the assembly works they're not familiar with the material uh, and so the people that we end up hearing from and the people who end up influencing the decisions that are made at the general assembly tends to be a relatively small group of people who are able to come at certain times and who understand things quite well already and so you have certain people who keep appearing up at the front like ben uh, and you have you know, not that many <laughs> new faces getting up who you, you can't predict what they're going to say 
uh, and you're, you're interested to see, well, where is this going to go? What new insight am I going to get that I can't predict here? Uh, and you even look around the room and you think the, 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 the kind of people I can see here, it's a particular group of people that isn't representative of the whole of the church. Uh, and really, we do try to be quite representative in our Presbyterian system of government. You know, we try to make sure that all the presbyteries are represented on all the councils, for instance, and they're supposed to be that similar sort of idea of representation carried on in various groups. And the assembly itself should be really representative. There's an elder from every congregation, all the ministers are there. Uh, and that enables us to make good decisions, benefiting from the experience and the, the wisdom that different people have throughout the church. Uh, and in the past, the General Assembly has decided that it's it's good to hear from other voices as well, outside of those who are ordained, uh, to get uh, the benefit of, of their experience and their wisdom, that they, they might not be voting, but they can make comments, they can help those who do vote to, to vote in a carefully considered way. Yeah. Uh, there'll be various attempts to try and make it easier for more people to come along and more people to engage with the assembly. Uh, but it, a lot of the time it has been tinkering uh, or things have been suggested that have just been shot down very quickly and never gone anywhere. Uh, so you know, in the last few years, I think the most we tried to do was a couple of evening sessions. Um, we said we'd trial them for two years and then review it. But that meant that really you only got one year's worth of data before you went and reviewed it in the second year. Mm. Uh, and it was easy for people to say, you know, this isn't going to be around for long. Let's just, just opt out of this and just let it wither and die and go back to the familiar that we have and that suits us well. And so what we tried to do with, with our task group, uh, we were, it came out of uh, a discussion a couple of years ago at the assembly. Uh, where we were reviewing the, the evening sessions and uh, Paddy Smith uh, got up. Uh, Paddy was yeah. on this a while ago, wasn't he? Last time, uh, last year. Or no, uh, not yet. Not it? yet. Has he not been on? Paddy, if you're listening, we'll, we'll get you in the diary. The world wants <laughs> to hear Paddy Smith. But sorry, but Paddy Smith, yeah. Yeah, Paddy, Paddy, Paddy Smith uh, got up uh, and uh, he was calling for there to be you know more stuff done to enable more people to attend and engage with stuff. And so this task group was set up to try and do that. Uh, so we've tried to, we've approached, we've looked at two major areas, trying to get people to come along to the assembly, make it possible for them to do that, encourage them to do that, and then enable them to actually participate in a meaningful way when they're here. Mm -hmm. So they understand what's going on and there's ways for them to express themselves, voting in a forward manner, all that sort of thing. Our priority has been to make sure that the voting members of the assembly, the actual members of the court, this is first and foremost court of the church, are better able to do this and that we're not compromising the ability of the voting members to come and participate. But we've also been conscious of the need to make sure that people beyond that are able to come and participate as well. And some of the things we do to widen the number of voting members who can come also naturally assist other people as well. So when we try to help working elders to come along, that enables people who aren't members of the assembly, but who work or who study during the day, sort of university, to come along uh, as well. So uh, the two went hand in hand fairly well. So that, that's that's really what we were okay. asked to do. I don't know if you want to come in and make any comment about that before we go any further, because I've talked quite a bit, and the, the buzzer might be ready to go. <laughs> well, okay, we've heard it. What are the practical differences then, Johnny? What, what, how does this, am I going to get a lanyard? 
<laughs> yeah, I, I I was slightly surprised nobody, nobody asked any questions about that. I did I didn't mention any of that in my speech because really the the big stuff was was yeah. the, the change the the Saturdays and stuff like that. I'm slightly surprised nobody did ask any questions about that. I just, I just want to land it. So be interested yeah. next year. Uh, yeah, the, the the arrangements panel is going to have a wee bit of work. Um, getting resources now for the, the next General Assembly, which isn't all that far away. So apologies to Mervyn Burnside. I've just given him a bunch of extra work here. Uh, he's going to be my best friend this year. Uh, so yeah, th there's a few practical things we've suggested that you know, might seem a wee bit, wee bit strange, a wee bit silly, a wee bit inconsequential maybe, but we hope we'll actually make a, a little bit of a practical difference to help people participate. Uh, so we're suggesting that everybody should have a, a lanyard with a colored neck strap. Yep. and a name badge so it, it's a bit e it's easier to tell who people are the colors will indicate whether they're voting members or non-voting members which will hopefully make it a wee bit easier for the moderator to ensure that there's a balance of inputs into discussions mm -hmm. uh, or to know, you know what people actually are, are allowed to do uh, at the assembly and maybe help a wee bit with conversations as well at a coffee time uh, that, that lanyard will give you a place to keep your voting card so that whenever you uh, turn up to a private session and start frantically searching for it, I don't have to close the door in your face and say sorry, but you can't come in. Uh, so that's uh, unfortunately had to do for one person this year, and it had that happen to me a few years ago when I left mine at home. So I know what that's like, and uh, so hopefully this will help avoid that in the future. Uh, we were talking about uh, giving people uh, a double-sided piece of card, possibly on their seat, uh, red on one side, blue on another that would be a way of being able to visually indicate how the house is feeling about an issue so that the moderator can get a sense of how the house is feeling. If it looks like the house is supportive of an idea, then they might want to try and encourage a few more people who are against it to speak so that the house can think through an issue properly. Now, whether that'll be helpful for everybody in the house to have or just people in the front row who are waiting to speak, uh, maybe that's something they'll end up being discussed a bit more at business committee. Uh, those, are, those are a few of the, 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 the small practical details that, that might help with debate in some way, but there's also some bigger ideas we've been doing. Uh, we've been thinking about uh, like equipping people to actually understand what's going on at the assembly. So they're not coming along bewildered by strange arcane procedures, talking about subjects they don't really you know, have never heard anything about until the business actually starts. And they've no idea what way to vote because they've no idea what it's about and they just copy what their minister's doing or what the loudest voices in the house seem to be. Uh, so we're suggesting that, there, or we've agreed now actually, not just suggesting it, we've agreed that there will be a meeting at presbytery level uh, before the assembly every year. Uh, and that meeting will be a chance for everybody who's going to the assembly in that presbytery. Uh, the ministers, the elders, uh, other people who've been invited to sit and deliberate uh, can gather together, uh, learn a bit about the procedures so that everybody goes along understanding how the assembly works mechanically, but also to have a wee look at the blue book mm -hmm. uh, to see what are the reports about. And there'll be a chance for people to, to stick their hand up and say, you know, I, I don't really understand what this subject is about. Could somebody explain a little bit about this? And there should be people in presbytery who are able to do that because every presbytery sends uh, nominees to every council who, who should have at least a little bit of an idea of what's going on and be able to bit of, give a bit of guidance there or, or maybe some presbyteries might I don't know end up asking people from assembly buildings to come down and talk a wee bit about something that's always a possibility there's room to be uh, creative there about how that's done and that should be an opportunity to get people more equipped for the assembly 
something I've tried to do most years uh, is you know, talk to my own elders uh, in, my own, in my own congregations about what's going on uh, so that they're better equipped uh, to take part. But I know that doesn't happen everywhere. Uh, and you know, they'd only be getting the benefit of my limited insight. It'd be good if they could get the benefit of other people's insight as well. Uh, so I think this would be this is one of the things I thought was most important in our report, equipping people to take part in what's going on, making sure they're informed and can participate properly. Very good. So we don't really, we don't, we don't want the rubber, the General Assembly to be a rubber stamping exercise where you just turn up and agree to whatever gets reported. And there wasn't really that much point in being at the Assembly. We wanted to be meaningful. So a real genuine debate happens that can change the direction that things are going to go. And people need to understand what's going on for that to happen. Otherwise, you just get a, a very limited number of voices who are having that input. And really, we want to be a truly Presbyterian church where all our presbyters are able to do that. My only comment would be on the uh, maybe the, the blue and the red uh, panel things uh, to watch out for that. I, I just think you're, you're going to have a technological device there again, which is going to influence, uh, you, know, you know, sometimes people you'd almost simplify the debate too much because the moderator is able to, You, I think we've all, have we all been moderators of presbytery? No. Nope. Have we all had a term? Yep. No, not yet. Craig, <laughs> that'll wait you. But you are able to read a room and I, and I think there is a, yeah, I, I, I just caution there and that one there, that could have unintended consequences, but I'm sure they'll all think about it. You, you guys will all think about it as you put it through. Yeah. I and, think there's going to be a lot to think about in the next few years as we try some of these things and stuff for the decision-making dissent task group as well. Yeah, Between that one and this one, there's going to be a lot of changes in the assembly and a lot of things to think through carefully. Mm. And you, Not every idea that we've got here yeah. that's coursed through is necessarily yeah. going to be good. <laughs> so we'll have to wait and see. Lynn wants like, a chance to try something. So with everything we passed then today, Johnny, with the passing of your report, and then there were two licensed uh, amendments to it. One was lost and one uh, went through. What's General Assembly going to look like next year? When's it going to begin? How long is it going to last? Yeah, we had a, a really interesting debate uh, about the, one of the amendments that the, the clerk had put forward uh, about... Uh, what happens on on the with the installation of the moderator so the, the shape of the assembly we've suggested would be that the business itself would run from thursday morning through to sometime on saturday mm -hmm. an idea of that is that if somebody uh, is working during the week if they take one day off work say the friday and they come along the friday and the saturday then they get to go to the the vast majority of what's going on in the assembly and they're able to properly participate and what's going on uh, the the amendment that the clerk brought was to move the opening night to be an opening morning and to have it on the the wednesday morning uh, and this this year i think it went quite well having the installation of the moderator in the morning quite a few people made comments to that effect but i think the resolution the amendment was putting people in a couple of different directions because there are some people who wanted to talk about when you have the moderator a lot of people who wanted to talk about whether you have business on the Wednesday or not, making it a four-day assembly instead of a three-day one. I think it would have been very interesting if, we would ha if we'd actually had two different amendments there. Uh, and that, who knows, things might have actually gone slightly differently then, uh, that people wouldn't have been deciding which of those issues they're going to prioritize. Yeah, but the yeah. way things are at the moment, we'll still be having the traditional evening installation of the moderator, although maybe it might end up looking a bit different. 
uh, next time, uh, informed by how it was done this year. Uh, and we'll be starting the, the business then, uh, you know, aside from the installation of the water, which is business as yep. well, but we'll be starting the rest of the business on the, the Thursday morning and running through to some time on Saturday afternoon. Uh, and there'll be a bit of business in the evening uh, as well on the uh, the Friday uh, and a celebration on the, the Thursday night. Yep, super, super. Uh, Johnny, uh, really great piece of work and uh, well, well done today in, in answering the questions and presenting the report and uh, and all the rest of it. So um, thanks. Um, I, and honestly, uh, then then there were overtures and we were kind of joking about that, but overtures then just to explain to, to folks, overtures at the point at which um, any changes to the, the code need to be um, mm -hmm. made. So, you know, we're going to take this paragraph out, we're going to substitute it for this paragraph, we're going to remove this word and we're going to substitute it with, with these words. So, so a lot of kind of technical um code related stuff there and over overtures on, on the books and i'll be honest i genuinely did i, I wasn't in the house for that this afternoon i i came home because uh, if i'd stayed for that i would have got i wouldn't i would have got home after the girls were in bed and i haven't seen them for three days so i came home but that just means we'll have to have trevor on when he comes back from uh wherever he's he's going to be hiding now for the next two or three weeks hopefully <laughs> selling himself somewhere um, yes, and yes, we'll, we'll get yes, him yes. to talk about those but listen uh that's been the assembly go, what, one, one sentence each. What's been your highlight of the three days of assembly? Johnny, I'll, I'll, we'll let you go first. You know, as a guest, you should really be nicer and letting me go last. Yes, <laughs> we should. Time to think about that. How, how do you boil in the assembly to the one sentence? I think I was I was encouraged by the atmosphere at assembly this year that you know, we, we've had a bit of division and heat in some recent years and you know wonder do we bit coming back after covid dealing picking up some of those issues was that we were going to have that same heat again but it felt like we had robust conversations and debates but not heated debates yeah uh, it felt like we were maybe a bit more at ease with who we are as a church uh and we were we're having the debates in a better way that's a very long sentence, possibly multiple ones. Apologies for not being able to count. <laughs> not, not at all. Johnny, thank I, you for going first. Craig, what's I, yours? I, I, I had already thought about my answer, and Johnny has basically just said exactly that. It was the tone of this year's assembly. I think the past couple um, had been a little bit fractious, obviously, because we were dealing with uh, sensitive and emotive issues. And we dealt with sensitive and emotive issues at this assembly, but the, the, the tone uh, was much more gracious um this year and as johnny said we had robust debates but uh the mind of the the assembly was clear whenever votes were were, were taken and uh, and our position as, as a, a church on those issues uh, isn't isn't in question ben what about yourself my takeaway your it highlight was, your takeaway whatever it was excellently moderated i enjoyed being under uh, Reverend Dr. David Bruce, as he moderated that, I'm glad that we've had an opportunity for him to, to be the moderator of a General Assembly. Uh, COVID did not rob us of that experience, and that was good. It was a cathartic experience, I think, for so many of us to be able to share and to be together, have those conversations to reflect on ministry from this pandemic. Uh, and, and I think that's been a, a takeaway for me. And out of, out of 10, I'd give it a good solid eight or nine, nine out of 10 in terms of general assemblies. 
Super, super. Well, listen, Johnny, again, thanks for taking uh, the time this evening to have yeah, a matter so with us. Really appreciate do, do it. I, do I get a virtual sticker now or a virtual mug? Yeah, it's disembodied. <laughs> Just you imagine a brother in your head and, and you can claim it. I like a good bit of body in my coffee, though. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Johnny, thanks a million. Ben, thanks a million. I have to go now, Craig. I hear vo- there's voices coming from the child's room, which is, I think, the toy. Do you know when that happens? There's like a toy and it just keeps oh, going. I've got to go, go sort this out. It's freaking me out. I started hearing voices in church one day yes. and it turned out we were we were picking up the uh, the Holy Ghost, the mics from the church next door. No way. <laughs> coming through our side system. <laughs> just turn it up. I was up, in the middle of my prayers and I started hearing these voices. Uh, oh, you can have a free sermon. We're just going to oh. get next doors. <laughs> Uh, yeah, right, I'm going to wrap this up before it gets silly. Guys, have Bye. a really good night. Thanks again. See you soon. Standing here on the corner of Wellington Street with Reverend Dave Clawson, who uh, is a bit salty that he hasn't been invited to be one of the guests this week. Mm. Uh, how are you... Uh, are you drowning the, that sense of sorrow? Well, I've just bought myself a Yazoo, uh, which is a, a milk shake. Right. And um, what is the flavour of your particular well, Yazoo? Uh, you're rubbing that in as well. My other disappointment this week was that I didn't uh, get the flavour I wanted, which was, of course, chocolate. And I've ended up here supping on a strawberry Yazoo. Um, so all all round I mean there's been some encouragements but this is hugely disappointing there's my postman listeners pray for Dave thanks <laughs> <laughs>